Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And with today being June 1st, the second session of OTAs kicking off, they're underway out at Ashburn, wrapping up as we speak. Football is right around the corner, folks. The weather is warm, it's getting hot out, pads are beginning to start to crack here in the near future. Montez Sweat, Chase Young are all back out at Ashburn today. We saw a little bit of Montez working around some pad drills, bending the edge a little bit. He looks fresh, he looks quick. Now, we're not going to get over our heads as far as raising expectations or anything like that or overreacting because of OTAs and individual drills or anything like that or anything off of seven on seven, nine on nines or full team drills. But Washington is beginning to come together a little bit. And for the individuals that were are in attendance at Ashburn, able to scoot out there and, and look at OTAs in person and hear some of the guys talk, hear Ron Rivera speak. And all the expectations right now when you're hearing these guys talk is they expect playoffs this year. And I know you guys out there as well completely agree, as do I. And as we creep closer towards the later parts of June and into July, and as we start to get into camp into August and preseason games roll around, the season's going to be here before you know it. So let's just jump into a few couple takeaways I have from OTAs thus far from the individuals that I spoke with out at camp and the things I'm hearing even from around the league from Jahan, about Jahan Dodson, Curtis Samuel, even someone like Antonio Gandy-Golden, who's obviously you guys know has been transferred from the wide receiver spot to tight end. Wanted to let you know that this pod is brought to you by our partners at BetOnline. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's future bets. And also, don't forget that Major League Baseball is officially back. Who are you picking in the World in the World Series? Is it the Yankees, Astros? Could it be the Nationals? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get started. Head on over to the website today and use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. First things first, I can't go without saying how positive the reviews have been on Carson Wentz. Now, again, not going to get too far in over our head here and overreact to what Wentz has been able to do or not to do uh, at OTAs thus far. But as we expected, he's been able to sling the ball downfield with success. He's been able to hit guys on time. And really, the there is a massive, massive difference between Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke and Case Keenum and Alex Smith and just the arm strength and the ability to open up Scott Turner's playbook and to the dusty pages that he has not been able to use in his first few seasons in Washington. That's been the main takeaway. Carson Wentz's ability to stretch the defense. You have guys on the outside that can run. We've talked about Curtis Samuel's ability to work downfield. We saw Deami do it in North Carolina. We didn't see it last year. But now you add Jahan Dotson and the success that he has, not just as an aerial threat, but someone that can win at every single level of the defense. You need a quarterback that can deliver it. 
to those guys. doesn't matter if they're open. All you're going to see is this guy throwing up his hand and turn around and running back to the line of scrimmage and into the huddle because he didn't get the ball if he's open. But you have a guy like Carson Wentz working behind a front five, a veteran front five, that you expect to be able to keep him upright and give him three, three and a half seconds to be able to read a defense and deliver downfield. OTAs already, in just the first few sessions that they've had in full 11-11 drills, Carson Wentz has had that time and ability to sling downfield and connect with Curtis Samuel, with Deami Brown, and a couple times with Jahan Dotson. Now, Terry McLaurin has yet to show up at Ashburn. Obviously, the contract negotiations are ongoing. Again, on the last pod, I kind of explained and went into depth as far as what I was hearing out of Ashburn and what I heard at the Combine and everything that I hear in again, his contract should be done with later portions of July. So a little bit you know, before camp gets going and really the nitty gritty of nailing down the roster for Washington and that process of building that final 53 before he head in to week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But there's no worry for me on the Terry McLaurin end. We know what Terry can do. I'm sure he's in shape. I'm sure he's taking care of his body. I'm sure he's absolutely fine. He understands the playbook, staying in tune with everything that's going on. Now, will it take some time for his rapport to develop with Carson Wentz? It will. But at the end of the day, you're talking about Carson Wentz and Terry McLaurin have already been in the league a little while. Obviously, Wentz longer than Terry, but Terry's a stud at the wideout position, and usually those guys don't take too, too long to mesh when you got two uh, supreme talents in Wentz and McLaurin. I expect that rapport to develop relatively quickly, whether that's in immediately in the first few practices of training camp, working into even a few reps in the preseason, and then getting rocking and rolling as we head into the regular season. But OTAs, there's really not too many takeaways from it until we get these guys in pads and really starting to crack and we see these rookies compete. Can't wait to see Jahan facing, you know, Benjamin St. Juiced, William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, even guys in the back end of the draft like Christian Holmes or someone like Sam Howell and his ability to work maybe against the ones a little bit. All those different competitions and those guys working for snaps, I, I can't wait to see. Competition breeds success. We've talked about it before in this pod so many times as far as Ron Rivera's ability and his knack for taking guys that are going to compete within every single position. It doesn't matter that you have Montez Sweat and Chase Young at edge. They drafted James Smith-Williams, William Bradley King, Shaka Tony. All these guys have come in. They brought in F.A. Obata this year. There's competition in a ton of spots. You draft Brian Robinson behind A.G. You get Christian Holmes in the seventh round, a guy that can play special teams and do some stuff on the outside within a corner room where you just drafted Benjamin Shane Juice. And then you draft Percy Butler to play the Buffalo Nickel role after drafting Derek Forrest and Khalid Hudson. So all these things kind of envelop into how this roster is being built and guys that every single rep, every single snap, whether it's in individual drills, seven on sevens, full 11 on 11 drills, every single rep, every single snap matters. So I'm extremely excited and you guys should be extremely excited as well as far as the competition that Washington will have moving into camp. But what I wanted to focus on today was a little bit about the stadium. Some more news came out about that. We talked about it on the last pod as well, as far as where the stadium, I would like to see the stadium location be, whether that's at RFK or at the National Harbor. Make sure you check out my last pod. But news came out yesterday that the Washington Stadium could be a maximum capacity of around 55 to 60,000 people. Now, for a lot of you guys out there, you're familiar with FedEx Field been there tons of times, whether you have or you haven't, it was always one of the biggest stadiums in the NFL and in North America. And it held over 100,000 people, but very rarely was Washington able to fill 
it to that capacity unless it was a high-stakes divisional game against Dallas or it was an occasional playoff game. They rarely ever were able to fill FedEx Field, which led to the team taking out a lot of the upper bowl, about 20-25,000 seats in the last few years. That has diminished the capacity and brought kind of everything down to fill the massive lower bowl and that second level of club seating. Now, the team has consistently made updates to FedEx Field. They added new bar areas, both inside the lower bowl, up top, little some high tables, different you know, club areas, lounge areas for season ticket holders, things on the outside. But with a new stadium, a state-of-the-art facility that we know expect to be nice, right? It's 2022. It's not going to be kind of just a, a junk box, a concrete jungle that FedEx Field has been known to be. But at 60,000 people, I don't want you guys to be like, oh, 60,000 people, that's not a lot. The Buffalo Bills, one of the most diehard fan bases in football, one of the most successful franchises in football, even though they don't have a Lombardi trophy in you know the last 25, 35 years in the NFL, Orchard Park, where they played for since their franchise has been in the NFL, it's only about 55, 60,000 people that they can hold. But they fill it every week, and then now they're building a brand new stadium that will hold a maximum of 60,000 people. And you look across the league, Raymond James Stadium for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers holds about 65,000 people. Lincoln Financial for the Eagles, 67,000 people. Gillette Stadium, New England Patriots, obviously all the success that they've had, 67,000 people. Now Dallas, as Dallas always is, they want to be the outlier, right? Jerry Jones, big stadium, flash. AT&T is one of the biggest stadiums in North America. It holds over 100,000 people, and usually they're able to fill it, and that's to their credit. But having a stadium that is a maximum, let's just say 55,000 people, it brings that more, that more intimate environment that I think you guys out there as fans will appreciate. You're closer to the players. You're closer to the action. From a player standpoint, a home field advantage in a divisional game against the Giants, Eagles, or Cowboys, that noise that FedEx Field just hasn't been, except for really a visitor's home field advantage. We've seen time and time again over the years of whether the Chiefs came to town or the Patriots, or we see with the Eagles and Dallas when they come in, and the stadium looks like it's 75, 85% of visiting fans. And it's really embarrassing because of the lack of success that the Bergen Eagle has had on the field. But you have a stadium with 60,000 people. We understand how diehard the DMV area is for football, and Washington's expected to have some success this year where double-digit wins, I wouldn't say are out of the expectation, but I would say they are expectation. 10, 11 wins potentially. I don't think that's a crazy hot take. And we'll get in more to that as the roster finalizes and we'll really get into the nitty-gritty of this roster and as things happen and injuries occur in the summer and training camp, which happens every single year. Now, knock on wood, it doesn't happen to Washington. But moving forward with this stadium and creating an environment that is dedicated to the commanders, the Burgundy and Gold, the Washington DMV community, whether the stadium is where RFK is or it's out in Dumfries or in Loudoun County, wherever it is, creating that environment where it is a home field advantage every single week for the Burgundy and Gold in a place that you can actually call home field advantage will main, remain a major, major key for this franchise, and I think they will get it right. So from there, I wanted to move in and talk about the five most important players for me on Washington's offense this fall. We'll do the defense 
on the next pod. Now, I wanted to do an overall top 10, but I just want to focus on specific sides of the ball. And I want to start with offense today, and I will start from the bottom down. So we'll start at number five. And number five for me is Logan Thomas, tight end, who really has developed into one of the most elite tight ends in football when he's able to stay healthy. Now, is he going to be healthy week one? I'm still unsure. Through OTAs, he's been working on the side field, and I'm not sure if he's going to be at you know full get up and go come week one when this team faces off against the Jaguars in week one. And then the team goes out and drafts Cole Turner from Nevada. And then they transfer Antonio Gandy-Golden from wide receiver to tight end, a former fourth rounder that they took out of Liberty just a few years ago. So right now, I'm a little bit worrisome towards Logan Thomas because of his ability, his dynamic ability, and working the shallow to intermediate areas of the offense that we know that Carson Wentz has had so much success with within his time at Philadelphia, working with Dallas Goddard and, of course, now Arizona Cardinal, Zach Ertz, and the relationship and the rapport and chemistry that they had for so many years together and on their eventual Super Bowl run in 2017. So Logan Thomas, for me, is the fifth most important player for Washington's offense. And number four, go with the big boys up front. And I'm going to go with Chase Roulier at center. We saw last year with how Washington's offensive line really didn't mesh as as much as they could have when Chase Roulier is in at center. Really the quarterback of the offensive line at the center position. Now, I've talked about it a ton, the job that John Matsko has done, the offensive line coach for Washington, and the job that he's done with the amount of bodies and faces and shuffling, whether it's a guy going from right guard to left guard, center to left guard, right tackle to left tackle. That's not an easy thing to do, folks. On paper, it's easy to say, oh, I just want you to play left tackle and right tackle in the NFL. It's different to switch those spots. It's not it's not as easy as you think and, and, and as some you know, many will say, but shuffling those bodies, staying together, understanding the optics of who's blocking who, who's doubling who, if this guy's running a, a TT stunt or TN stunt, like understanding those optics has been something that John Matsko has been able to relay to every single guy along that front five. And when you lose a center and a talent like Chase Roulier, who is a top six, potentially top five in my opinion, center in this league, along with the Jason Kelseys, the Frank Ragnalls in Detroit, J.C. Treader in Cleveland. These types of players are important. Creed Humphrey in Kansas City. Can't, can't you know, not mention Big Creed in Kansas City, former standout Oklahoma. But Chase Roulier is extremely important to this Washington front five. And I can't stress enough, not just only in the running game, but now with a new body at left guard and Andrew Norwell, and then someone to his right, brand new, and Trey Turner. He's the leader of that offensive line with fresh faces aplenty. Now, veterans that have been in the league, Andrew Norwell's been in the league, Trey Turner's been in the league, multiple Pro Bowls under his belt, still 28 years old. But Chase really has got to stay healthy, working in unison with Carson Wentz and kind of taking those abilities off of Carson Wentz and that pre-snap stuff as far as who's blocking who, Where's the mic? Is he blitzing? What are they doing pre-snap? Where's the safety rolling to? What are the corners doing on the outside? Are they playing man? Are they playing press? Are they playing press man? Are they playing press bail? What are are they going to be doing? And that's from the center spot. He can kind of look up and see everything. Take those those 
requirements of Carson Wentz, make it a little bit more easier for him as he continues to develop and learns this offense a little bit because there will be some hiccups in the regular season. He will throw a few picks because he doesn't understand the offense as good as he will moving into the meat and the back end of the season. So for me, at number four, Chase Roulier is extremely, extremely important for the overall success of this offense, and he has got to stay healthy for a full 17 games if Washington wants to realize their success on the offensive side of the football. So moving on to number three, he could be much higher on this list, but it's Antonio Gibson at running back. And if anybody has a chip on their shoulder this year, in my opinion, it's, it's got to be Antonio Gibson. And you draft Brian Robinson, J.D. McKissick is back. We understand what J.D. can do, even when A.G. was out and J.D. was carrying the ball. And then he comes in on third downs, or whatever down they want to throw on. And he's one of the most explosive running backs in the league with the ball in his hands. Antonio Gibson, this is a huge, huge year. And that Brian Robinson selection was an eye-opener for him. I think he has all the talent in the world to become a potential top six, seven, eight back in the NFL. Rushed for over 1,000 yards last year, but he's got to hold on to the football. And as we know, at any level of the game, if you do not hold on to the football, you will be holding on to a clipboard down the road. Brian Robinson didn't fumble at Alabama. It's an SEC competition against a lot of guys he'll be facing in the NFL this year and in the years to come. J.D. McKissick doesn't fumble the ball either. So you can have all the talent in the world, but just hold on the rock. And if A.G. is able to do that, get his legs going, get some room and space in the passing game, keep his legs fresh, whether Rivera wants to use him and B-Rob and kind of this one-two punch and then bring in McKissick as a change of pace. Having those three guys right now, all three guys will be active on game day if I'm Ron Rivera. So AG, massive, massive season for him. If he's able to hold on the ball, I think he'll have a great season. I think last year we talked a lot about Scott Turner and his potential maneuvering touches for manufacturing touches, excuse me, for Antonio Gibson, similar to how Christian McCaffrey and Carolina had him. I don't know about that tread. We've seen the tread and the tires start to wear on Christian McCaffrey recently with the injuries that he's been having. So you got Antonio Gibson, you got Brian Robinson, you got J.D. McKissick. Antonio Gibson has all the potential in the world to progress into a high, high level NFL talent, a really a versatile offensive chess piece both in the run game and in the passing game so just hold on the ball jobs you know ball security is job security and that's the biggest thing for me for ag this fall so number two who else number 17 terry mclaurin i i can't say enough about terry mclaurin i know you guys out there he's kind of like this one guy if you say one thing negative about him you know people will show up at your house with pitchforks right but terry mclaurin is the most probably Carson Wentz is my number one. That's an easy one, right? But Terry McLaurin for this offense remains arguably, within any offense, uh, one of the most important figures on this entire roster and towards the overall success of this team. He's really the key to the vehicle of the commander's offense this fall because of the attention that he'll draw from teams. Whether teams want to bracket him, which means having a corner kind of taking those shallow intermediate areas away, and then having that safety roll over the top, so it's almost like a double team, or just teams really shading their coverage towards his side, Terry's going to get his, right? You're never going to stop a guy. It's almost like when teams try to game plan against some of the superstars in the NBA, right? You're not going to stop somebody, but all you have to do is try to limit them. And that's what teams are going to try to do with Terry McLaurin, and they have 
try to, but better quarterback, better offensive weapons around him, arguably potentially get better offensive line, equals more time for Terry to get open, and he'll get his this year, but he is one of the most important pieces of any offense in the league at the wide receiver spot because the attention that he garners, the success that he produces every single week, no matter who he's facing, no matter how many guys in front of him, he'll open up everything for this offense and his ability to stay healthy. And please just pay the man. Just pay the man and give him his money. And then number one, Carson Wentz. Washington's season revolves around Carson Wentz. If he's able to, I'm not asking asking him for a 2017 replica season when he was potentially an MVP for the Philadelphia Eagles before he tore his ACL. Nick Foles obviously led them on that magical run to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I'm not asking him for that. I'm asking him basically to not lose you ball games. If they lose, I just want to be not because of Carson Wentz threw a lazy pick on a two-minute you know two minute drill. Or they're driving with six minutes left up three and he throws a pick six. So these are the things that I'm looking forward to Carson Wentz this year. Now, he will sling it downfield. He's done that his entire career. He will do it here. He will be asked to do that. We know that Washington has burners on the outside, whether it's Terry or Jahan or Curtis, whoever can run. They're going to run downfield. They're going to be able to create and lift the roof off of the defense. Teams will not be able to put seven, eight guys in the box to try to limit Antonio Gibson because you got guys on the outside. But at the same time, you can't put five or six guys in the box because you're going to be able to run the football with Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, and you got J.D. McKissick out of the backfield. You got Logan Thomas working in the intermediate area, sitting in zone right under the linebackers for ranging back. So for Carson Wentz's development in this offense, I hope it happens quick. I hope we're not here in you know week five and six and Washington is two and four or one and five, which would be worst case scenario, and all hell will be breaking loose all over the city and within Ashburn. But Carson Wentz 100% is obviously the most important individual within this Washington offense. And if he's able to deliver to guys on time, have that space to deliver out of the backfield running backs, just hit tight ends consistently, stay upright. We know that he's been taking a beating his entire career when he was in Philadelphia and was sacked hundreds of times behind the Philadelphia line, even though Philadelphia's line was one of the best. They obviously enjoyed some injuries over the last few years that constantly saw Carson on his back and staring towards the sky. Keep him upright, allow him to set his feet, stay balanced, work outside the pocket if he wants to, has plenty of arm to deliver off script, whether he's going outside the numbers, whether he's going inside the numbers. Allowing him to stay upright, delivering it to Terry McLaurin, allowing De'Ami Brown to progress. You got a fresh face in Jahan Dotson on the outside. All these weapons that even once has been comfortable early in OTAs, hitting Jahan Dotson for a few touchdowns. He hit him today for a 65-yard touchdown in 11-11s, excuse me, on 9-09s. So that rapport is obviously developing, but it's different when you get under live fire. And if he's able to be not even just a shell of himself from 2017, but just don't be the guy that loses games for Washington this fall, and I think they'll be fine because this may be his last year, Carson Wentz speaking of, to prove not just to Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew that he may deserve the job down the line moving into next year and the following, but for other teams as well that are looking for a potential bridge veteran quarterback and, and Carson Wentz who's proving that he does deserve a starting spot both here and elsewhere and also with Sam Howell breathing down his neck every single snap 
That's why I love that selection even more. Because every single mistake that Carson Wentz makes, Sam Howell's right there competing his tail off every single day, and he's shown out well at OTAs this far. We've seen what he can do at Carolina. NFL's a different beast, but the kid's got talent. However, Carson Wentz also has a ton of talent. you got to give the guy a shot. There's talent around him. There's talent on defense where he's not going to be able to score 35 points a game. Just keep it around the 25 mark a game, potentially. I think that Washington offense could get that each and every week with the 32nd ranked schedule. Now again, those cycles will change. Teams get better. Teams get worse every single year. So we're sitting here in week eight, week nine, and you know we thought that the Colts or the Titans were going to be a team that wins 11, 12 games, and they're sitting there with you know four wins. You know that's one of those fluctuating schedules that you say, oh, right now they have a 32nd ranked schedule. It goes up and down, right? It fluctuates throughout the year. We're not going to be talking about strength of schedule in week nine. But Carson Wentz is the key to the offense, and I'm extremely excited to see him work with Terry, Diami, Jahan, Curtis Samuel getting healthy. Logan Thomas hopefully is healthy by week one. Cole Turner, John Bates, the offensive line, mauling dudes four or five yards down the line of scrimmage, moving north, moving vertical, allowing AG to turn his legs, Brian Robinson coming in as a punch, J.D. McKissick working out of the backfield, Scott Turner, who's had it up and downs as an offensive coordinator throughout the few years, but it starts and stops with Carson Wentz under center. So to review, my five most important players on offense for Washington this fall, number five, Logan Thomas, number four, Chase Roulier, number three, Antonio Gibson, number two, Terry McLaurin, and number one, Carson Wentz. So that is going to do it for today's pod. I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, leave a like, subscribe, comment, share. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your news, your sports, your podcasts, you can find us. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. You can find all of my work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. As always, thank you guys for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. Summer is right around the corner, which means football is right around the corner. And the Burgundy Gold are just a few months away from getting on the field in week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thank you guys as always for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time. This is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.